Morgan Neely, and you're listening to Valley Voices on KDNK. Carbondale's Joseph Damore made the men's national team in mountain running this year with a breakout performance in August at the USA Track and Field Championships at Mount Hood, Oregon. He fell short of his bid to make the team in 2019 after inviting his older brother, Seth, to the championships in New Hampshire. Seth edged his brother out by less than a minute, pushing Joseph to fifth place overall, which kept him off the squad. I spoke with Joseph recently about having to wait an extra year for redemption after the event was canceled due to COVID in 2020. We also discussed his prowess on Colorado's highest peaks. He holds dozens of fastest known times in the Central Rockies, including a round trip on Mount Sopris in less than two hours, 26 minutes. So where are you from, Joseph? I grew up in Buena Vista, just uh, kind of on the other side of Independence Pass, not too, too far from uh, Carbondale here. And you grew up in kind of a competitive environment, I think, when you were young, right? With yeah. Outdoor sports and with running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my parents met through running uh, down in Durango back in the 70s and uh, yeah, my brother is a competitive runner, so kind of following in his footsteps. And I think, too, just in Buena Vista, sports were a pretty big deal. Uh, it's definitely part of the culture, primarily kind of team sports, kind of traditional team sports, basketball and football and uh, I guess a little bit of baseball. But um, yeah, so sports are a big part of my life um, ever since I can remember, really. <laughs> were you drawn to to any of those team sports or... Did you gravitate at a pretty young age towards more of the individual thing and endurance? No, I was I was definitely drawn to to the team sports. Um, soccer when I was really young, I ended up playing club soccer. Uh, the team was based out of Salida, so that was kind of a travel club team. And then basketball was really my my number one passion. Uh, I'd say until probably halfway through high school basketball was yeah yeah my first love and and really my favorite sport uh I was not really exceptional at basketball and so yeah halfway through high school it was kind of a shift to uh to more focusing on running so in 2020 there was no USATF men's mountain running championship exactly yeah so I had to sit with that bitter taste in my mouth <laughs> for longer than until, you would have liked yeah until 2020 until like basically two months ago when I went out to Mount Hood but yeah so my plan was in 2020 to continue racing a bunch just like in 2019 uh and that all got canceled because mm. of the pandemic and I shifted to but I had all this you know I had all this like I had kind of awoken the beast I guess I had <laughs> right. like scratched this in 2019 I'd scratched the like competitive you know, itch a bit. And then in 2020, I needed an outlet for that. And so I shifted to uh, FKTs and yeah, and chasing down fast times in the mountains. Can we talk a- about that a little bit before we talk about Mount Hood then? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't have a list in front of me, but it's pretty widely known in the endurance and mountain running community here that you have the fastest known times on <laughs> most of the local peaks, if not all of them now. Um, do you want to talk, would you talk about some of those? And um, 
what's meaningful to you about that and which ones have been kind of the most fun for you and you're sort of out there racing but it's you're racing against other people's times you know you're out there by yourself so you're experiencing this competitive thing you're out in pretty wild like you're in an environment where the stakes are pretty high and um and you're moving at a really rapid clip like talk some about your time on capital and what's what are the sort of things you think about when you're moving <laughs> through that highly technical terrain yeah 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 capital is definitely a highlight um that was from 2020 getting that fkt and i i had attempted it a couple of times to try to get that time and came up short and then yeah everything just kind of clicked i think it was august of 2020 um and anton Kropitka had that had that fkt for i think quite a while maybe eight or nine years Mm -hmm. um, before i grabbed it and yeah no it's super fun kind of like i said scratching that competitive itch and pushing yourself in a different way by no means is it the only way to experience the mountains it's just a little different it's just like kind of a different way and Mm. i really love probably probably my favorite part of of the fkt kind of pursuit is fine-tuning uh, just fine tuning a route and getting hmm. to know it really well. So, like I said, I think Capital, you know, I've done, um, I know I've, I've summited close to 10 times and I've been up in that area quite a few other times, just really trying to get to know the route. Hmm. And, and that kind of route, I think, kind of demands that. And, and that's super fun. You just kind of, you just kind of get to fine tune, like I said, like where you're, where you could go faster, what you could do better. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, that's, that's a fun part of it. And eventually when you took that fastest known time from Anton, you took it by how many minutes and you did it in what time? It was, I think it was about 10 or 12 minutes and it's, it's under three and a half hours. I don't know exactly, Yeah, but yeah, round trip. So running up the ditch trail for anybody who knows. And then, <laughs> yeah, just going up, going up past Capitol Lake and then, um, yeah, scooting across the knife edge and tagging the summit and, and then heading back down. So yeah, it's, it's pretty exhilarating. I, I don't know the, another part of it is like you said, just being out there in these wild places and being on rugged kind of burly terrain that you can't, you can't hold a race up Capitol or <laughs> Uh, this summer, I, another highlight was Pyramid Peak and like, you can't have a race on some of these places. Like it would just be carnage. So, um, so the next best thing is, is yeah, I guess FKTs and trying to move fast and push yourself and do the best you can. Is that ever scary for you? I, there's moments I've had, yeah, I guess I've had some moments in the, in the mountains, um, that day on pyramid when the storms rolled in and you and, uh, you and Mackenzie, you know, were, were up in Aspen kind yeah. of crewing for me yeah. that, you know, that was kind of a scary moment, but, uh, overall I've gotten, I've gotten pretty used to it, I think. And, and you kind of just, uh, accept, you know, you kind of, you kind of find what level of risk you're willing to take. And then you kind of just try to toe that line, I yeah. guess. So, um, I have not climbed capital, but most people who, who I've talked to have climbed capital say that the knife edge is not really the most frightening part of capital because the rock is just some of the best in the Elks, right? It's super solid. Like 
if you're cautious, you're not going to fall off the knife edge. There's nothing that's going to break loose and send you like tumbling down towards the lakes. Um, but I am curious when you set your FKT, how did you cross the knife edge both times? <laughs> uh, both times just, uh, just walking right across. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I guess trying point. to, trying to move quickly, move as fast as I could, but yeah, no, you're right. You're right on. I mean, the, the knife edge itself is pretty solid and, yeah. and good rock. If it was if it wasn't good rock, then it would be a different story. Yeah. Above the knife edge towards the summit, there's quite a bit of loose rock though. Right. And so you have to kind of pick your line, um, yeah, pick your line, especially if there's other people. Yeah, other people out there, anybody above you. Um, and then there's stuff around K two, I guess that's. Yeah. Kind of challenging. Yeah, there's some. I mean, there's some right right around K two. There's often some big loose stuff that mm-hmm. you can grab onto. You think it's solid, and then it's like you're pulling off a refrigerator. <sighs> and uh, and then there's the you know the aspect of people trying to shortcut and mm. and not stay on the route and. I think that's probably the biggest uh, biggest risk with with capital. Hmm. So you have um, you have the fastest known time on both the bells now, I think, and of the traverse. I have uh, somebody added the North Maroon, just the North Maroon round trip, and yep. so so yeah, I went after that one this summer. And there's not really an official on the website, um, just the combo of the of the Maroon bells, and yep. I'm kind of I'm kind of one. One of those people, like, if someone wants to add it, then I'll probably go after it. Right. But I'm okay with not adding it. <laughs> so When you say the website? The website of, uh, yeah, fastestknowntime.com. Uh, it's, it's a website founded by Buzz Burrell and Peter Backlin. And they're kind of the godfathers, I guess, of this FKT thing. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's cool. There's, it's, it's a great resource to find routes, even if you don't want to go fast, if you just want to look up, you know, kind of the coolest routes in the world, they're up to, I think there's 4,000 routes now, wow. and, which is pretty wild. And, and, uh, yeah, some of the best, some of the best for sure that I've been on. And so when you, um, let's say like you have the fastest known time on Sopris, when you get that, do you you send them your uh, like a link to your Strava activity and like send them what do you have to send them to get on that website? Exactly, yeah. You just have to submit. Um, it doesn't have to be Strava, but just any right. GPS. Yeah. yeah. So in back in the day, there wasn't GPS and yeah. And uh, I remember running probably it's been a while, probably six or seven years ago. I ran a pretty fast time on Mount Sneffels down in the San Juans. But I didn't have a GPS watch right. and barely had a watch. And and the before the FKT website, there was this other website where you could kind of verify times, but it was hard to navigate and and yeah, not updated super well. And anyways, so yeah, nowadays you definitely have to um, you definitely have to have a GPS watch and yeah. and verify things. <laughs> um, so a couple months ago, you went to Mount Hood and made your second attempt at um making the u.s men's national is it what is it is it the u.s men's national mountain running team is that what it's called yeah 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 yeah, i think so yeah so your brother's already on it he is not for this current cycle um but he could apply he might apply for the so there's three different categories there's the kind of classic distance Mm -hmm. which is the shortest that's what i qualified for and then there's 
um, the long distance, which is about a marathon. Mm -hmm. And then there's the ultra distance, which I think this, this cycle is about 80 kilometers. Hmm. And yeah, so yeah, I went out to, to Mount Hood and uh, I guess got some redemption <laughs> a couple of years. Tell me about it. Making. What, what happened? Um, let's see. Yeah, it was, so I, I had a solid race. Um, I was really focused this whole summer on shorter trail racing. Hmm. That race was about 10 kilometers with, I think there was about 1800 feet of vertical gain and loss. And yeah. so was, over the course of like 3.1 miles, basically on the way up, you're gaining almost 2000 feet. Yeah. So it's pretty stout Yeah. for a run. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, It'd be yeah. a tough hike too. <laughs> Yeah, no, th that type of racing is super, it's, it's super intense. It's, um, it's fast from the gun. It's yeah. basically cross country with a lot more vertical. Yeah. And so you just have to be ready to go and, and ready to run, run fast. You're tuned in to an interview with Carbondale's Joseph Damore on Valley Voices. I'm Morgan Neely. And so when you got to the top, to the turnaround point, was it a strict out and back or was it? It wasn't, it was, it was kind of a loop, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it's basically just a loop up and down uh, Mount Hood Ski Bowl, one of the yeah. best ski areas at, at Mount Hood. And, and yeah, so it started off pretty well. I was, I was probably, um, I was probably sitting in eighth or so. I was running with Andy Wacker for a lot of the climb. And then towards the top of the climb, I moved up and was in second. Right. Um, behind Joe Gray. And and was feeling pretty good. I was, I felt like I was moving pretty well. And then on the descent, I was in second, uh, all the way until probably two minutes or so from the finish when Max King, <laughs> he, uh, he runs for Solomon and, and he rolled. He lives out there, right? Does he live in Oregon? Yeah. He lives yeah. in Bend. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he caught me and then he rolled me up pretty good. <laughs> I, uh, I was telling Buzz that I had, yeah, I hadn't been rolled up like that, maybe ever in the trail running world. So he passed me and I had no response. <laughs> just had no, I couldn't, there was nothing I could do. I went with him for about 10 feet and then I was just like, what, what is going on? It was, uh, yeah, that was, it was pretty humbling because I was feeling pretty good at that point. <laughs> I was like, Sweet. So he put a serious move on you. Put a serious yeah. move. I don't know exactly. I, I could probably look and see, kind of compare our times on the descent. But his descending time was minutes faster. Than wow, <laughs> wow! I would think so. So he just comes screaming by. Yeah, yeah, came, yeah. Came screaming by, and so he ended up second. Joe Gray got first, and then um, yeah, and then I ended up third. And so you made the team. And yeah, so yeah, made the team, and um, yeah, it was a super super good feeling just to kind of see it goal through to the end and and stick with it because. Uh, yeah, with 2020, all the cancellations, and then still in 2021, all the unknowns. It yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I was gonna say you've had a you had a recent disappointment with that because you made the team, and then not long after that, so your expectation then was that you'd go to the World Championships in Italy. Yeah, so actually, so okay, so the so the day before the Mount Hood race, they announced that the World Championships were going to be canceled or postponed and they were supposed to be in November in Thailand. Right. And, uh, and so like I got that news and I was already out there. I was already yeah. in Oregon <laughs> and I was just kind of like, Whoa, like that's, I had like a, like 30 minute period where I was just like, 
you know, screw this. Like, I don't even want to race. Like, I don't yeah. even, like, this is dumb. What am I even doing out here? Yeah. And like all the COVID stuff. I'm just like. What timing, man? The day before. Yeah. You was, found out when you were out there. Yeah. And actually one of my buddies told me and I kind of, I kind of wish he hadn't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I kind of was like, man, like now I'm thinking about that. You wouldn't have got wrapped up by Max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was in my head. Max didn't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Max was exactly. Yeah, Max was in a better headspace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, then um, uh, Thailand was postponed to February mm-hmm. 2022 potentially, <clears throat> and and I, I'm like worried about even like voicing any plans mm-hmm. or like what it, you know because it's just like so unknown. But then yeah. they they found another race for the team to do in Italy which was supposed to be on Halloween in a couple of weeks. And then USATF decided um, that we weren't going to be allowed to go because of the COVID changes and everything changing every day with uh, in Italy. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I was actually talking to a friend and acupuncturist, Annie, uh, here in Carbondale this week, and we were talking about just dealing with all these changes and, and, you know, dealing with all the dis, dis, you know, disappointment, and she was she was awesome. I mean, she explained how, you know, nature deals with changes in such a different way than hmm. humans. And if we can try to replicate nature, and just being flexible and adaptable and evolve, and um, sometimes it's easier said than done. But but yeah, I guess that's kind of that's kind of what I'm trying to focus on now is just kind of being able to. Um, yeah, not not worried too too much about what's going to happen in the next couple months. So you told me that you you got a little bit down when you found out that Italy was off. Um, how did you ultimately like cope with that and not go into a hole over it? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think that day I, I found out kind of in the afternoon I think and then just got home and tried to go for a run I ran like three miles and was just kind of like yeah in a funk and um, did you call you called it at three miles you were like (laughs) yeah I was just like why am I still training (laughs) (laughs) what what am I like what am I training for and then at the same time I think the weather was kind of starting to fluctuate Mm -hmm. so I was like well you know I mean maybe this is just a sign now it's time to focus on ski season and you know maybe kind of hang the running shoes up and, uh, yeah, talk to my brother, um, talk to Mackenzie, you know, talk to all my, I guess it's the support group and, and, and yeah, just kind of try to get my head around that kind of like I was saying, just, it's okay to, to not know, uh, what the plans are for the next couple months. Mm. And, and it's worthwhile to stay ready and keep training, maybe not as intensely as I would be. Um, but just, just in case, you know, things can happen. And since you made the team, the race in February 2022, is that what you said? Yeah. You're you're on the team for that if you... Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's cool. If it, if it ends up happening, I've got a spot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed. And real quickly, can we talk about your um, day job? Because you, along with um, a pretty intense relationship with running... You have a pretty physical job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the summer, I um, trail crew lead up on Aspen Mountain, um, I guess a Sawyer, cutting trees, clearing brush, and, and just doing all kinds of different projects. For the skiing company. Yeah. For yeah. Aspen, yeah. Aspen Ski Company. So, yeah, it is. It's a physical job. And, um, 
yeah, there, there's uh, times where I think it's beneficial for running, and there's times where it's definitely not because <laughs> it's just so taxing and yeah. and difficult to uh, keep training through it. But but yeah, no, I guess uh, I do. I, I love being up on the mountain, and and that's really what I want to try to keep doing as many as many days as I can out in the mountains or or yeah, working on a mountain. And in the summer and into fall, you do that four days a week, right? Monday through Thursday. And then what do you think the average elevation that you're working at is during the summer? I would say average is 10,000 That feet. was my guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, physical labor at 10,000 yeah. feet is a, is a stimulus for sure, a training stimulus even when we're just, yeah. Accumulated fatigue. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's what I've been thinking about recently is the accumulated fatigue of life is, is what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. <laughs> COVID and and work and running so and then in the winter you are you going to do that again this year Mm -hmm. you switch to what yeah so a snowcat operator yeah in the winter and yeah we'll be making snow in the next couple weeks probably starting november 1st and then yeah i'll be getting back in the cat and and working at night uh which is pretty wild but yeah i definitely love that that aspect of the job and that's another you do that four days a week too? Yeah. During the winter? Yeah. So all yeah. night, four days a week, Monday through Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So then make the transition back to sleeping at night. And <laughs> it's a it's a little bit of a roller coaster. It's kind of a wild ride. It's 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 not for everyone, but <laughs> But it has allowed you to um you've kind of uh started pursuing ski mountaineering more and um uphilling and you did your first races, I think, last winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah I uh, got my butt kicked a lot. <laughs> that was a whole new ball game. I've been ski touring for a long time, but that was, but uh, yeah, schema racing is just like a whole another beast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super fun to kind of learn that aspect of the sport. I really love all sides of skiing. I was kind of a park rat growing up. I was in the terrain park every day. That was that was kind of what I was passionate At about. Monarch. Yeah, Monarch and then uh, Copper mostly. Yeah, yeah, and a little bit. Joseph is rocking a classic corduroy Copper Mountain hat <laughs> yeah, yeah. during this interview. Yeah, Copper was uh, my favorite mountain growing up for sure. Um, not too too far from BV. And yeah, yeah, a little bit of Ski Cooper, a lot of skiing at Monarch. Yeah. So, but yeah, schema racing is. Oh man, yeah, I've got a lot to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Sean and Sean Van Horn, he's been very, uh, he's been very helpful and gracious with my. Uh, <laughs> attempts of uh ski being a schema racer (laughs) and so when you drive the cat overnight the first thing you usually do when you finish or at least this is maybe in the last winter a new thing for you i don't know um maybe you were doing this previously too but when you get done you're doing a couple laps of skinning up and coming down i think yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah groom all night and then ski for a couple hours so you get to go out and enjoy the fruits of your labor yeah yeah yeah, it's awesome yeah and typically yeah typically this year i mean i'm pretty much only um yeah only skinning not not really doing too much uh regular skiing i guess but Mm -hmm. yeah getting out on the backside of aspen mountain or you know swinging over to buttermilk for a few laps and um yeah i think it's super beneficial i think taking a break from I was still running this past winter, seven days a week, but I wasn't running nearly as much. It was all pretty moderate, just mm-hmm. easy miles. And mm-hmm. then, uh, getting out on the skis for, I don't know, I don't know, maybe 
10 to 20 hours a week or yeah. something. During the summer, what's your weekly mileage like running? In the summer, I get up to about 95, 90, 95 to 100. Yeah. Right now, I'm, you know, pretty comfortable at like 75 80 mm-hmm. and just kind of in that holding pattern um but yeah it fluctuates throughout the year i'll run 40 miles a week a lot of weeks and then um 60 75 and yeah like i said top out at 95 or so and then during like the heart of winter when you're doing 10 or 20 hours of skiing a week you're still running every day yeah but- less mileage yeah less way less mileage no no workouts or anything mm. just kind of moderate easy like miles 35 40 miles a week is that yeah. fair to say yeah. yeah i think that's fair to say and and i might experiment with that a little bit this year i might you know just do like five days a week of running but mm. then hit the skiing a little bit harder mm-hmm. on some extra days um yeah i don't know just uh have to kind of find kind of find what works cool thanks for coming in to talk Dude, thanks, Morgan. I appreciate it. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm Morgan Neely, and you've been listening to Valley Voices on KDNK. For the rest of our interview with Joseph Damore, go to kdnk.org.